0: It must have really startled those early Jewish Christians when they read the related passage to this Old Testament passage from Jeremiah in the book of Hebrews chapter 10 and verses 22 when they read that it said let us draw near but their whole Jewish tradition had never ever told them that everything about their tradition had said stand back the architecture of their temple said it with the outer court for the Gentiles an inner court for women and an inmost court for men after that came the temple proper which only the priests could enter the whole message of that Judaic system Out of which springs the newness of life that we celebrate in Jesus Christ. The whole method, the whole message was stand back. God is too holy for you. There were ranks of people to match the temple's architecture. There was a high priest, then lesser priests, then the men, then the women, and then finally us. At least, I think, most all of us, the Gentiles. There were rituals to match the ranks. There were burnt offerings offered at an open-air altar in the sight of all. The altar of incense was inside the temple, seen only by the high priest, and even that was seen through very dim lighting in a shadowy room lit lit only by seven candles. Shed blood was offered for the sins of the people in all the inmost room. Shrouded in complete and perpetual darkness. Everything about that system was calculated to say, stand back. And in contrast to that, the gospel says, come near. You know, what we're doing in this exact moment of time. represents the fullness of the reality of our present potential to know god in real time i count this these handful of minutes every sunday morning or any other time when i'm invited to open the word of god and to be the mouthpiece for god so daunting of a task because all i can possibly do is offer whatever illumination god gives to me like a man holding a flashlight to help each one of us see what God has to say for us through a word inspired and recorded by the Holy Spirit. And what we're doing now for me is an act of worship. Every Sunday morning I count this as worship. And for all of you it's an act of discipleship and for all of us It is an acceptance of an invitation on the part of the creator of the universe, the one who who made us and sustains us by staying awake to to the presence of us. If God were to forget our existence for but a moment, we would vanish. But the constancy of his care is such that he remembers us always. And in moments like this, he invites us to remember his constant provision for us. His real love for us. Something that points us so vastly, so far beyond the trappings of dull or dry religion into a saturated life of knowing our very creator in our inmost being. In the old covenant, men were dead because of the failure to keep the law. That's what Jeremiah 31 says. And God says, I'm going to make a new covenant. He says, no longer, all that eating sour grapes business is about the sins of a father passing on to his son and his son's son and his son's sons. He's talking about the old covenant with Israel. And he's saying all of that was, was, was law and it was beautiful and it showed you your inescapable need for a Redeemer and a Savior. All it really did, like the Apostle Paul says, was to become a schoolmaster to show us why we need Jesus so desperately. Because we could never do what our fathers couldn't do. In the new covenant... Men are made alive because Christ fulfilled the law, shedding His blood at the cross and tearing into the veil that once separated us from the Holy of Holies. We, our own selves and our own body, have become the very temple of the presence of the living God. And then we say, I don't have the energy for this life. I don't have the power to do it. I don't have the capacity to reach and fulfill the dreams God's put in my heart to do for Him. I want to challenge you with just this one central idea today and here are a few principles to help you to live it out if you're one to do so pay attention inside the bulletin there is an outline that may help you to follow along and may give you some fodder for fuel for thought later we can know God Listen. The message of Jeremiah 31, the message of Hebrews 10, the message of the new and living way that we are invited to participate in is that we can personally know God. And and none of you suburbanites are yelling, Amen. Listen, you're killing me. Listen. Li- I'm not just talking. I'm just like, oh gosh, just stop it. Listen, we can know God. When when our marriages are crumbling, we have a source to go to. When when the bank note comes due and we don't have the money, we have a source to go to. We know God. Why are we living so often such fruitless, faithless lives when God plants dreams in the heart of His children and then gives them the power to accomplish those dreams? It may take a while like that persistent widow But God is calling each one of us into a love relationship. And here are two basic truths and a few related ideas that I'm hoping and praying God will use somehow these imperfect words to bring the perfection of the knowledge of Him to bear in each one of our lives today. Truth number one. It is possible to know a great deal about God without much knowledge of God. Avoid dry religion. Dry religion is like a loveless marriage, there was a ceremony. And if you were to make a list of all of the things that technically constitute a marriage, they're present. The boxes are all checked. We got some kids. We got a mortgage. Got a second mortgage. (laughs) We got some car notes. There's even pictures from a joyous and happy day where everybody pretended to celebrate. But there's no love. There's no joy there's no life there's no real intimacy even if we touch one another there's nothing there it has all the trappings of knowing god that is dry religion it looks just like a loveless marriage it has all the trappings of knowing god without the stuff of knowing god dry religion is like a gorgeous swimming pool with no water It's like Anne Rice's Vampires, if you're familiar with the 1990s movie, Interview with the Vampire. No longer having the need for real food in this movie, Louis and Lestat sit every night at a great feast and eat nothing. Dry religion is God's stuff without God. And I'm suggesting to you today that you would do better to avoid dry religion. It would be better to have no religion than to have fake religion. It would be better to have nothing of God than to have a portrait of God that is an inaccurate portrait and somehow worship that. Dry religion will inoculate you to the real stuff thinking that you have all that you need because of the trappings and the ritual and going through the motions, you and I will stay stuck, unaware that anything better exists. Point number one is avoid dry religion. Truth number two, and I'll dwell on this for the remainder of this time, It is possible to know a great deal about godliness without much knowledge of God. Point number one avoid dry religion. Truth number two avoid works religion. And what is that? Works religion, I'm suggesting to you, is the kind of Christianity that mimics true spiritual godliness found in knowing God it does it in four ways it does a lot of rule keeping it's really good at doing the minimum oh it's a great counter of points and it loves playing the referee the works religionist is great at keeping the rules in the same way that game players say I checked it it's not against the rules you ever played scrabble with somebody who has too vast an imagination (laughs) you ever play monopoly with somebody who, who thinks they can just come up with all kinds of fanciful ways that money works there are a lot of works religionists out there that are so focused on keeping the rules that they forgot to fall in love with the giver of the law They believe as long as the Bible doesn't specifically say something is a sin, they can do it. You know, it's a funny thing about rule keeping. It actually promotes sin. It doesn't keep it in check. Well, I can't find that exactly in the Bible. I don't care that perhaps that phrase or word didn't exist in the first century. But it's not there, so surely it's not a sin. This is easily, I would suggest to you, the most bizarre and counterintuitive thing about rule-keeping works religion because it encourages people to keep looking for loopholes instead of falling in love with their Savior and trying to do all that they can to be obedient to Him. You know, it'd be like a husband saying, well, I told you, you know, I'd be home at 2, 2 in the morning. And I got here at 159. It would be like a husband saying, well, you know, why should I have to get you flowers on our anniversary? Show me a rule that says I must. Those who know God have great energy for God. They love to please him and to know him. They're not all the time looking for trap doors to get away with stuff. Secondly, the works religionist is great at doing the minimum. Hey wife, they say, there's no rule that I have to put my arm around you when we go to the movie theater. Hey wife, there's no rule that I have to listen when you speak. Can't you see that I'm paying careful attention to you? What was that? (laughs) Those who know God have great thoughts of God. How do you think about God and knowing Him? Thirdly, the works religionist is always competing with other Pharisees. I'm the best Pharisee, he says. Or at least I'm not the worst. So that must count for something. Listen, I want to say to you today that the only person we are in competition with is ourselves. And even that isn't to earn God's favor by doing more or better stuff. It is simply to be more aware of his unending love today than yesterday. Christina and I are creeping up on 20 years of marriage. That'll happen next summer. And if there's one thing I'm learning about relationship by staying in one for so long with just one person, you know? It's like, things can go two ways, right? Every morning I, I get to wake up and see your face. Or it can be like, Every morning, I have to wake up and I look right at your face. It can be like, oh, everywhere I go, you're always there. Or it can be, everywhere I go, you're always there. (laughs) What is your relationship with God like? Are we busy keeping rules? Are we busy comparing ourselves to others? Well, I'm not the worst Pharisee, so I must be okay. Or are our hearts drawn into closer fellowship with the lover of our souls? Some of you, if we all knew the intimate stories of your relationships, would know that one party chased down the other. Hopefully not in a stalking kind of way (laughs) But in a desperate love I Must have you If we knew the intimacies of some of our relationships we would know that someone sacrificed Everything to get to the other and eventually the other woke up and said look how much you love me and they began to love them, too The lover of our souls sent His Son to go all the way to the cross to demonstrate a message to us that this is how much I love you. And if I love you this much, surely my love for you is not conditioned on what you do. I love you because I love you. Those who know God have great boldness for God. They aren't concerned with counting their sins and victories or comparing them to other Pharisees. They are boldly following and falling in love with the one who demonstrated how vast and deep and wide and unending his love was for us at the cross. Lastly, the works religionist has a false sense of entitlement from God. Because they are better than others in their own mind. They believe they deserve more from God I want to say to you today that those who know God Have great contentment in God No matter what comes their way they know that tough times never last but God's love and care and provision always does I think knowing God is a kind of lifelong journey. We do better, I think, for that reason to call ourselves sojourners, followers of Jesus, those on a path, than we do to play some kind of weird religious game as though all of us have arrived and demonstrate to the world in a kind of vain hypocrisy, look who I am, I'm so loved by God. No, rather... God is calling each one of us to fall more vastly, more completely in love with him, and then to demonstrate that in a way that reflects our understanding that we could never have done this on our own, so that we begin to see ourselves all the time as recipients of a master's gift rather than those who earned something, who gained something, who got something. True religion used to say, "'Get back, he's holy.'" Now, true religion is a living way that shouts to sinners, get close. Jesus did it all for you. He satisfied the wrath of God by His holiness. He's calling each one of us, come closer. You are beloved. Amen.